Hey, listeners, this episode has mature content. So if you have children around, maybe press pause or play it another time. This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, we have a question here that we've already given you a disclaimer, so we are going to go right at this question. Is oral sex sinful both inside or outside of marriage? It's a great question. So I can't tell you how many young people we sit down with and in their brain, because mm-hmm. they're not actually having sexual intercourse, that this is like permissible you know, behavior. And you're talking about with couples outside, outside of, of marriage. marriage. Yeah, yeah. Pre-marriage. Thank you for the clarity on yeah, that. Yeah, pre-marriage. So there's a handful of questions that we get around this. Uh, one of the questions is going to be, is it wrong? Let's start mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. there. It's not that the act itself is wrong, but that it anything sexual outside of marriage is going to be sin. Yes. Like when you are choosing sexual things outside of the context of marriage, you're not in a good place. So there is this um, idea, I think, in, in Christian circles that as long as we're not having sex, intercourse, intercourse. everything is permissible and mm-hmm. fine. Now, you and I, like we teach the Bible for a living and, yeah. and we're pastors and we're trained and we know better. But I can't tell you how many young people just buy into this. Sure. And part of that is is. I would say largely a neglect for moms and dads being willing to have really weird, blunt conversations with your kids. And I get that, uh, but we have to do it because when Mm -hmm. we don't, uh, our kids default to whatever idea gives us the most permission, you know? So there's that side of things. And then a lot of parents have kind of neutered the church from speaking into this and youth ministry, et cetera. Like there's a a regular battle between parents and student ministries. Like student ministries are dealing with these kids whose parents aren't discipling them. And then they want to be able to speak freely into it. Mm -hmm. Youth pastors do because literally the kids are doing The students are asking the question or they're participating in this. Yep. And there's always one parent who says, my kid isn't ready for it. And almost every single time um, their kid is already either doing it yes. or knows they about know it. about it already yeah and so and the age yeah. of the age that kids are finding out about sex and oral sex yeah, really is getting young. earlier and earlier in life I mean fifth and sixth grade they know about this yeah. like if we're my philosophy is our kids need to hear about it from us first if at all possible which because of the nature of where we you know live that means those conversations mm-hmm. have to be pressed sooner and sooner right. I do think there is a different world between public school homeschool and private schooling and so there's a little bit of like you know freedom in that but right. like if they're in public school they're going to be getting this as early as second and third grade oh, yeah. from peers if yeah. not earlier or from the school depending on where you live so as we as we say all that like I do think there is this big challenge that that parents and spiritual leaders in the church, we need to get past uncomfortable conversations because right. the world is more than willing to have them. Oh, with they'll our kids. have the conversation. And so we need to learn how to lean into them. And for some parents, you know, they're not going to do it. So if you're not going to do it, at least call one of their, their youth leaders or spiritual leaders uh, in a way that is not weird and and figure out how to broach the sure. issue. I don't know how you do that, but every everybody's so different. But so I I the second question we get from people outside of marriage is is this. Am I still a virgin? If oh. I've had oral sex, oh. um, that is, it's not a challenging question to 
to answer. Uh, what's challenging about it is that there is still this um, concept in a lot of young people like, oh, I want to be a virgin, but what is the most what, amount yes. of stuff I can do and still call yep. myself a virgin? And, and I think that's also a hard conversation because we're, we're just asking all the wrong questions. Right. And we're asking how much can I get away with and still be labeled mm-hmm. pure when in fact what makes us impure is any level of sexual immorality. Yeah. And so I would love to like reshift the question for the next generation of students. And by the way, they're framing the question this way. I'll say it again because moms and dads aren't framing it for them. Yeah. Culture is framing it for them. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, so as we say all that, am I still a virgin? Sure. I mean, technically, the concept here yeah, physiologically is, you would be right, but are you sexually pure? Which is God's ultimate concern. And, and the answer is no. no. No, you're not. So, I, in terms of outside of marriage, I think that those are the best places to land on that. God's desire is not not to say here's the most amount you can do until it becomes sin his desire for you is to abstain from right. all evil to not let there be a hint of sexual mm-hmm. immorality anywhere near you which which means and that is what the bible clearly discusses yeah. that that is what the bible is saying don't even go there yeah and and the implication of all this is christians date and get engaged differently mm-hmm. we're night and day yeah. we don't buy the lies we don't play the same games we're about something bigger. We have the Holy Spirit. That gives us a spirit of self-control. We are not desperate people. We are not indulgent people. We are sober-minded and clear-headed. And when we're not, the blood of Christ covers us. We right. repent, and then we come back to this clear-headed, sober-minded, self-controlled, not desperate posture that is the posture of the people of God, or at least it's supposed to be or the posture that we you know, work toward. So let's go toward the context of marriage. Marriage. Um, I think the answer here is also really simple. Uh, the answer is there is unusual freedom in the context of a married man and woman to explore sexually um, with no guilt or regret unless it actually causes bodily or physical harm. Right. That's like the mm-hmm. big picture. Now, I want to I'll reference one passage of Scripture, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, the difference between can we and should, should we, we? Which, is, which is different. Mm-hmm. So somebody will say, does the Bible ever mention oral sex? And the easy answer is, Maybe. <laughs> and the only only plausible place would be in the book of Song of Solomon. Okay. Which is loaded with so much poetic imagery right. that it's hard to nail down what sex act they're actually referencing. Mm. So we know they're referencing an explicit sex act. I mean, this couple has just gotten married. It's their wedding night. They're indulging in sexual love with each other. And and so uh, the man is is physically describing her body from you know head to toe. Yeah. And they get to this place in Song of Solomon 4 uh, where he— where he he says, a garden fountain, a well of living water, flowing streams from Lebanon, awake north wind and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden, let its spices flow. Now, you hear the word like blow or different things like that, and we just fill it in with imagery, but, yeah. but that's where it gets really you know challenging. She says, yeah. she responds and says, let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. He responds in chapter 5, verse 1, and says, I came to my garden. Now the act is done. My sister, my bride, I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. 
Then it's interesting because uh, there's a third person who speaks, and it seems to be God. Mm -hmm. And here's what God says. He says, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. So whatever Mm. they're doing, he's affirming. Minimally, it's affirming the sexual relationship in the context of marriage. There's been a lot of question throughout Jewish and Christian history about what sex acts this is specifically referring to. And so I think it's just better to say it could, it could not, it does, it doesn't. It it actually doesn't even matter. There doesn't seem to be a biblical prohibition against it or for it. There's no like you must or you must not. Right. It's kind of one of those whatever. I I agree with everything you just said there. So then we get to the question of should we? And I think there is a – most couples end up learning this eventually, but there's just the the principle of we'll just say consent – and conscience. Yep. And in some marriages, there will be no reservation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And in some, there is a reservation. Right. And because there is or is not a reservation, it's not a good or a bad thing. Everybody's really different. Everybody's bodies are different. Everybody's minds are different. Our fears and phobias, our likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. And so in any marriage, um, it doesn't matter if it's the man or the woman, if somebody broaches the principle of being uncomfortable, yes. it is the obligation of the other to concede that yes. in honor and service to the other one. And so it doesn't matter what the thing is. It could mm-hmm. be a it could be a place in yeah. terms of where you guys have a sexual encounter. It could be a way. It yeah. could be an act. Uh, it doesn't matter. So it there is the the principle of deference where I defer my my objective, as First Corinthians seven says, is that my objective is to please you and to yeah. serve you and not to serve myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, but uh, a lot of marriages they they really do struggle under the weight of pressure. Um, one person has an expectation; the other person doesn't feel comfortable with it, but then they don't want to let them down. And yeah, and uh, and that's where I I do think having having marital counseling where you're comfortable speaking about these things is going to be really, really valuable. Um, I never quite anticipated going into ministry how much sexual counseling we would do as a couple. That that to me was one of the most Mm -hmm. surprising aspects of ministry. And um, But what it just shows is that so many Christian marriages don't feel like they have a person or place that they can speak freely to without judgment or right. condemnation. They don't have a safe person to talk to about these questions and, yep. and about their conscience. And- yep. So when we do premarital, we go, we get very detailed in it. Um, knowledge is power. We put discussions on the table yeah. um, beforehand. Uh, we give them opportunities to think about stuff. And, you know, I do that with the dude and my wife does that with the women, but we try to not have that, like, you know, in terms of me in the room with the woman or whatever, sure. but, or vice versa. So I think we do it in tactful ways, but uh, we have found those to be some of the most incredibly helpful yes. conversations. I've had multiple men come up to me after they've been married and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, there were so many issues we would have had mm-hmm. had we not talked bluntly and directly about yeah. some of these guidelines and and um, talked about deference and service and um, all really good, healthy stuff. But. Um, yeah, I think the better question, if you're in the context of marriage, is um, how can I most serve, serve this person? Yes. Which means I also have to listen to them, mm-hmm. to their body, and to their words, and to their hesitations. And and um, if I see myself as a servant, um, I'm not looking out for my own objectives. Now, it's also your spouse's objective to serve you. Yeah. And you're free to make your desires known, but they're also free to— 
to because of a conscience sure. reason or any reason, uh, even just a lack of desire to say, I'm not comfortable there and mm-hmm. then everybody's mm-hmm. got to be okay. Yeah. We'll throw in a little X factor into the discussion because, and I, I don't think, uh, I, I want to be cautious as I say this because I don't want to put ideas into people's head that aren't there. But no matter how you slice it, whether it's women to men or men to women, the the pornographic world, oh even my. just the amount oh, of sexual yes. stuff that's yeah. on regular TV, yeah. it does communicate expectations sure. that are in us, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. Even the person who's never sought out explicit pornographic material has a whole like system of what culture has communicated to them right. as sexual norms that is not going to do them justice in a Christian marriage. Yeah. Or in any actual mm-hmm. marriage, right. because whether you're a Christian or not, like most couples are dealing with some of the same core issues. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, like what what the Christian has to do is rise above those things and uh, get better ideas in our brains. Yeah. What does it mean to serve? Serve. Serve is the, the is the direction that we want to go. Yeah. What you see on TV, I mean, particularly porn, but TV is is just not normal. Right. And uh, normal is actually it's. It's better and more beautiful and more long-lasting and more servant-hearted. Mm-hmm. And um, it's God's way is genius. The problem is most couples don't experience it because they're at each other uh, negatively because they have all these expectations that they're not communicating. Or when they are communicating, they're not helpful or they're, right. not, they're not servant-hearted or deferring. And, and um, yeah, so that's, that's a lot. But this, yeah, I just— if we had our way, we the problem is you can't do these classes publicly. You no, like, not at you know, all. Like we're going to do sexual counseling for 45 couples. <laughs> you know, like mm, yeah. it just gets weird yeah. and uh, it makes the pastors look pervy. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to say it any other way. Like, right. It's it's just this fine line of 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 not being voyeuristic, but being servant hearted. And, and most people don't have categories for anybody leading sexual classes that aren't a little bit weird. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a weird tension. I'm not sure. What to do with it, but I know it's a major issue. Yes, it is. It is. You ask most couples, it's like money, communication, sex. And if the men were honest, sex would be at the top of the frustration (laughs) list. And and, uh, it's, but that, you know, I mean, most kids don't want to hear us preach on that in the pulpit. No, probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today. And as you can tell, we are not afraid to tackle any of your questions. We will be tackling other questions in regards to this sort of subject, which is about dating. Our next couple of questions are going to be about dating, which is, I'm a Christian and I'm dating. What should I look for in a man? Mm